Look at the birds in the air, Jesus said. They don't sow, they don't gather into barns, and yet our Heavenly Father feeds them. Birds may seem small and insignificant, but they're part of His creation. There's much to learn from God's creation. The Bible portrays birds differently. The dove, the descent of the Holy Spirit on Jesus. Eagles, symbols of strength. Owls represent desolation. I'll never be a twitcher like my wife. She's still working on me. Little chickadees are prominent right now in our snowbound yard. We feed them in other varieties that don't fly south for the winter. Chickadees gather and hide their food, and every fall, a part of their brain begins to grow. That gift from God helps them remember where they've hidden the seeds they've collected and stashed in snow. Come spring, their vocal cords grow to help them sing loudly for a mate. Even this winter, may we learn, God cares for us. Welcome to Haven Today. Here it is Thursday. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And this week, we're finishing a series of programs called Keeping It All About Jesus. And with me, our new speaker and president, David Wolin. Thanks for joining me again. And what's coming up on today's program? Well, Charles, there's a theme in God's Word. Uh, I think you might say it's hiding in plain sight. It's something so familiar we could easily miss it. I'm talking about the identity of Jesus as the Son of God, and then our identity being adopted in Christ. It's the concept of sonship. And I know this is a very personal topic for you, so I'm looking forward to hearing you share your heart a little later. And unlike chickadees, our brains don't grow every fall, David. (laughs) But God has given us hearts and souls and minds to look to Him, and I'm looking forward to our spending these next few minutes together. And for everybody that's been listening to the program this January, you've heard us talk about this new book, just out, released by us, Christ in All the Scriptures, Reading and Praying Through the Bible in a Year. And this is the final week we'll be offering this resource, a hardback, cloth-covered book, as our thanks for your gift to the ministry. It's designed to help you read through the Bible in a year, which is what David and I have committed to doing this year. And then after the program, I want to invite you to come to our website, haventoday.org, haventoday.org. You can also make your gift there and download the first three weeks of the book so that you can get started reading the Bible right away before your book arrives. You can also call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. And now let's get the program started. Here's Brandon Heath.
our praise. Let there be no higher name. Jesus, Son of God, you lay down your perfect life. You are the sacrifice. Jesus, Son of God, you are Jesus, Son of God, you are Jesus, 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 Jesus. Fitting in with what we're going to be talking about in these next few minutes, Jesus. Son of God, sung for us by Brandon Heath on A Haven Today, called Keeping It All About Jesus. I'm Charles Morris. With me, of course, David Wolin. Welcome back. Thanks, Charles. And uh, let me just get the program started here by posing a simple question. Who is the Son of God? Well, the answer to that question was a breakthrough when Simon Peter said to Jesus, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. But I think today, most Christians, Charles, they could give an answer to that correctly without giving it a lot of thought because it's so familiar. We know Jesus is the son of God. The Bible teaches that so clearly. Jesus is called the son in a whole variety of ways in the New Testament, but the most prominent would be son of God and son of man. And I think many people assume Son of God emphasizes the divinity or the the deity of Jesus, and Son of Man emphasizes his humanity. And, of course, Jesus is fully God and fully man. That's Christology. But if we dig into the Old Testament, this is so interesting, and we look at where these titles come from, we'll discover we've got it backwards. Hmm. The Son of Man is a reference to the deity of Christ. That comes out of Daniel 7. It's the vision, one like a Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven and all the nations worship him. But the title, Son of God, this is one that the Old Testament develops and its roots go really deep. In fact, Son of God is a theme running from Genesis to Revelation, and it's connected with what Christ accomplished on the cross for us. It's connected to what it means to be united with Christ. And Son of God is connected to our future hope and the consummation of all history in the new creation. And of course, it connects to our own sonship. And Charles, you'll be picking up with that theme in a few moments. But first, I want to do an Old Testament overview. Um, so let's start with Genesis. This is where we see the first Son of God, and it's in Adam. Now, you don't find that specific term in the text, but we do see this. God says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Now, that's sonship language in Hebrew, but it's the gospel of Luke that removes all doubt. Luke gives us the genealogy of Jesus, and this is in chapter 3. And it runs us all the way back through the line of Joseph, through King David, the tribe of Judah, Abraham, and then all the way back to the first man. And Luke 3 ends with these words, son of Adam, the son of God. And so the first revealed son of God in the Bible is Adam. And this status son of God connects to Adam's calling to serve as God's representative, ruling over all creation in God's presence and in fellowship with him. 
But that first son of God, as we know, failed in the garden and was cast out. And Paul tells us in the New Testament that the fall of mankind has also subjected all of creation to futility. Creation is groaning, is waiting with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And so that's getting into the sonship. The next time son of God shows up in the Old Testament, it gets a little bigger. These are God's words to Moses, preparing Moses for what he's going to say to Pharaoh. And Charles, this is so clear, it's almost startling. Moses is to say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so he may worship me. So at this point, this is an exodus, son of God is corporately the nation of Israel. And Hosea the prophet later will pick up on this. This is centuries later. And through Hosea, God says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. So if you were to ask a Jew during Old Testament times, who's the son of God? They might have answered, well, Israel is the son of God. And that would have been a correct biblical answer. But now, what does Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, tell us? After the birth of Jesus and when Herod was in a rage and searching for the king who'd been born, God warns Joseph in a dream to flee. And here's what the Bible says, referring to Joseph. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. Hmm. And so, Charles, for the sake of time, we've done a high altitude flyover of the Old Testament. We've seen Adam. There's the nation of Israel. We could have added the everlasting son of David, who was yet to come. But ultimately, all of these are fulfilled by Christ. Matthew made it clear, Jesus is the true Son of God. And the New Testament, especially Paul, connects that in such a profound way with our salvation, our hope of resurrection, the new creation. But Charles, this isn't just future, this is now. Rubber meets the road, so to speak, in my own life and my own walk with Jesus, doesn't it? You want to take us into Galatians now, Charles? I'd be happy to. Uh, I'm anxious to share what the Apostle Paul taught us, but let me just share first a personal anecdote about how this became more real in my life, in my wife's life. Uh, Our son was a young adult, and we were very concerned. I'm not going into the details, as I have in years past, but it was really serious. Haven't most of us as parents had times like that? You just didn't know what to do. They aren't young children anymore. You can't order them around and expect them to behave, uh, to respect you like you wish they would. What do you do if you're a Christian parent? Well, you get on your knees. And we were praying one day for our son, reading God's word. And that day in Luke 3, we had reached the account of the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist. Now, remember, that's when God the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, that voice speaking from heaven. And the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. That account is not just in Luke, it's in every one of the Gospels. 
And when we read that early that morning, several years ago, we had this sudden sense from the Lord that this was true for our son. Our son was God's beloved son. And we had this sense that God would send his spirit to descend on our son. And that was a long time ago. Fast forward. That same son is today a pastor. And I'm really proud that he was just awarded his Ph.D. in early church history after eight long years of very hard work. And just, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago, we were in his church hearing him preach from this very same passage, Luke 3. He told his flock that day that these words the Father spoke to Jesus and this gift of the Holy Spirit are ours as believers in Christ. And we need to remember that we don't have to earn or struggle for this status. We have it in Christ. He was uniquely the Son of God. He earned through his perfect righteousness the pleasure of the Father. But then in Christ, we too are made sons and daughters of God. And the Father's pleasure rests on us. Mm-hmm. And here's the key, David. We can just live our Christian lives, all our lives, out of that. We don't have to work our way into this status. We have it in Christ. And we can live freely, knowing it's already true. You think those words from Luke were just spoken about Jesus and they don't apply to you? Well, then listen to Paul as he makes clear this favor and status belonging to us when we know Christ. We are sons and daughters of God. Now, I'm going to read this very slowly, so listen up. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Now, that's not just sound biblical teaching, David. Hmm. That's life-changing. It is life-changing. So, Charles, I'm hearing you say that our sonship This status of adoption as sons is something all believers have, men and women, by faith in Christ. And that's not only the basis of our hope into eternity, it's the basis of our hope right now. It certainly is. And the presence of the Holy Spirit, or as Paul puts it, the spirit of his son comes on us and in our hearts confirms it. Amen. We were ruined in our sin We were guilty and undone When your love reached down with sovereign hands And beckoned us to come You sought out the wanderers Made the prodigals come home With a lavish feast you welcomed us for you made us your 
Sons and Daughters album, that was Sovereign Grace, You Made Us Your Own. And Charles, what a gift that God has made us His own, that in Christ we've been given sonship, and this fills us with hope for the present and for the future to come. I hope, just for everyone listening, that your heart has been stirred today, that you've heard about this promise of sonship in Christ This is one of the many themes in Scripture that points us to Jesus and fills our hearts every day with joy, leads us to worship. And Charles, before we go any farther, I think we need to do exactly that. We need to respond to God and respond in worship. So let's just pause a moment and pray together. Father, we are overwhelmed By the immensity of your love for us, we see what great love you, Father, have lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And thank you that your word confirms that to us. That is what we are. And that's because of Jesus and only Jesus. Lord, I pray today for the listener who is doubting I want to pray for the person who's searching. And I want to pray for the believer who's listening today and is firmly rooted with confidence that the Lord Jesus is their Savior, their Lord. They belong to Him. Lord, for each person, draw us another step closer to Jesus. Lord, give us faith to believe that Your Word is true, that by faith in Jesus, we do belong to you, that you have given us an adoption of sonship that can't be undone. You're worthy of our worship, of our adoration, of our whole hearts, our obedience, our everything. So thank you for drawing us near. And we pray in and because of Jesus. Amen. Well, As we said earlier in the program, this is the last week that we'll be offering this resource on the air. It's Christ in all the scriptures, reading and praying through the Bible in a year. 
This is a hardback book with a ribbon, I might add. I know that's something both Charles and I particularly like (laughs) about it. And it'll help you read through the Bible and see Jesus on every page. Right, Charles? Absolutely. And I just should share something that we've been suggesting for the last couple of weeks as well. Hmm. Uh, We heard from a listener yesterday. And uh, her name's Heidi. She lives in Naples, Florida. She says, Dear Charles and David, I was thrilled to receive my two Christ in All the Scriptures books, one for myself and one for my twin sister up in Wisconsin. We've often spoke about having a book like this, and I'm mailing her copy to her tomorrow. No snow in Naples, Florida, so (laughs) it'll be on its way to snow-filled Wisconsin. Thanks for the encouragement, Heidi, and let her words encourage you as well. Would you respond today with your generous gift to support the ministry of Haven? And also, when you do, would you request your copy of Christ in All the Scriptures? And as a reminder, the first few weeks of that book are online, so if you're wanting to get started reading the Bible in a year, you can start with what we have online and then continue when you get the book. And so go ahead and make your gift today. It's haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. Or give us a call, 800-65-HAVEN. That's 800-65-HAVEN. I'm Charles Morris. And I'm David Wolin. Thanks so much for joining us. Won't you come back again tomorrow on Friday? When again, we're going to wrap up this series, and we're going to do it together in light of the great story That's all about Jesus, here on Haven Today. For your walk with Jesus, I'm David Wolin with Haven Today, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. What comes to mind when you hear the word mystery? Maybe a paperback novel, a gripping story that won't reveal the killer until the final pages? Well, there are other kinds of mysteries, and the Apostle Paul described one in Colossians 1.27. This is a mystery that did not remain concealed, but has been revealed. He writes, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The glorious mystery the Bible reveals is the Lord Jesus Christ living in you and me, God's presence found in a living building, all who believe. May I invite you to grow more in your walk with Christ with Anchor Devotional? Visit GetAnchor.com.